Welcome to the Vineyard Boise Sunday Message Podcast. You can join us live on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. on Facebook, YouTube, and vineyardboise.org slash live. Subscribe to our message podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And if you'd like to support Vineyard Boise, you can give online at vineyardboise.org slash give. Today's message is brought to you by Pastor Kenny Wood. Enjoy. Okay, so I'm excited. If you've been in children's ministry, it's okay to heckle me. It's fine. I'm used to it, all right? It's okay. If I, and, and you can tell that I'm not from around these parts. So if I say something and you're not quite sure, you can ask me afterwards, okay? Don't shout it out. I mean, I'm, I'll usually just because I've started ignoring the kids now when they shout at me. So I'll probably ignore you guys, but it's okay. You can have your, you can, I'll give just as good back to you. Now, so do we have a slide? I want to show you my family. Maybe we don't, you see my back of the head? That's not my family. Okay, maybe they didn't get the PowerPoint, but anyway, we have, oh, there it is. This is my family. This is the best I can do. Every year we try to get a family picture. Every single year. We're going to do it this year. But something comes up and it always messes up. I feel like, you know, the hook guy. Every time he's got that jar of money, they want to go down to South America. And then they're saving up. And then the tire bus. And he has to smash the glass. That's us every time. So this is the best we've got. That's my wife, Amber. And the other two guys are my offspring, Caleb and Josiah. Um, we're fun. You might not notice or recognize them unless you've got kids in kids' ministry because we're always back there doing kids' ministry. We're never, not. people come up and say, Oh, is it your first time? No, no. I've been here for four and a half years. I, 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 it's not my first time. So today we are going to be talking about, and it's going to keep moving through the series of the house of the Lord. And today we are going to be talking about the topic altars. Now, I remember when I got called into Trevor's office, was, I thought I was in trouble. He goes, Kenny, can you have a word in my office? I took the walk of shame. It's just, it goes like that, right? So I'm doing the walk of shame. And I go in there, he goes, yeah, I want you to speak on September the 18th. And your topic is altars. Okay. So I, okay, I can do it. And I come out, Jesse and, and Brent are talking about what they've got because they've been in as well. And they're talking about it. And Jesse goes, well, um, let me see, have you ever... Who likes Charlie Brown? I love Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown's great. Do you ever watch the, the seasonal specials? My favorite one, Trick or Treat. They all get dressed up, they go trick or treating, and they all come out and they start talking about, hey, what, what did you get? What did you get? I feel like Charlie Brown. Jesse says, well, I got the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Brent says, I've got the relationship in the garden. Uh, what did you get? This is where Charlie Brown comes in. I got a rock. You know, I got, the, I got it wrong, buddy. So I got altars to a good starting point. I'm going to put my glasses on. That's a good starting point, right? This is that where everything changes around. You get to see me. I see you now, but I can't see my words. Now you guys disappear, and I get to see what I'm talking about. A good starting point for today's message would be to ask the question, what exactly is an altar? Am I saying it right? Someone had a word with me the other day. Well, you know, you can't say it like that. You have to say it like this. I'm trying my best. Altar. It's, it's the altar. And as we look at the Bible to answer that question, because that's what we do. We're Christians, right? We're going to look to the Bible. Because there are over 400 references 
of altars in the Bible. So I'm kind of thinking that the Bible may be an authority on the subject concerning altars. What do you think? Okay, that's another, I should have told you. That's another thing. Because I do kids ministry, I asked questions and you don't have to answer. It's just, I'm going to teach how I teach the kids. A little, little bit up, but you know, you don't have to answer. If you want to answer, it's okay. So the first altar that is mentioned in the Bible, we find in Genesis chapter 8, verse 20. Then Noah said, build an altar to the Lord. And there he sacrificed as a burnt offering the animals and the birds that had been approved for that purpose. However, if we go back to Genesis chapter 4, it's obvious that the idea of altars was already around. And Cain and Abel bringing their sacrifices before the Lord, it's more than likely that they used some form of an altar to, uh, to offer these to the Lord. So an altar is a structure that offerings are made upon. Offerings such as religious sacrifices. As we read the Bible, we cannot but conclude that an altar is always, or altars are always represented at a place of consecration. It's a consecration to the Lord. When an altar was built, it usually was to commemorate an encounter with God, a profound impact upon an individual who had just encountered a living God. And they would just build an altar. It was a submission to the fact that God had worked in a person's life in such a way that that person desired to create something tangible. This is an altar. It's tangible. I'm going to memorialise this, uh, this experience. It's to preserve the memory that had just taken place. This was something big that just happened. Something you could go back to, to remember. This was the place the Lord showed me this. The place that the Lord revealed his purpose for my life. Now, an interesting point we need to remember is this. Before God gave his law to Moses, men made altars wherever the Lord meant. So it just could be anywhere. You could be walking through a field and the Lord appears to you and you just build an altar. That's what they did. An altar was usually a raised platform with a flat surface. The Lord gave clear instructions in Exodus 20, verse 25. If you use a stone to build an altar, use only natural uncut stones. Do not shape the stone with a tool for that would make the altar unfit or unholy to use. I told you, Charlie Brown, I got a rock. <laughs> you guys can come again, the people that left. Altars are often just big rocks with a flat surface, big enough to offer a bull, if that's what you were sacrificing. Altars are often... Just massive, you walk through a field, you find some rock, you might just build it, but you cannot cut it because that would become unholy. It's going to be a natural thing. The Lord visiting a person was a natural thing. So you would build an altar, you wouldn't shape it in anything like that. I mean, today, I think we've got that vision miscued because we kind of shape our altars in churches. You might go and, and see stuff, but they didn't do it. They weren't allowed in the Old Testament. People building altars was very common throughout the Old Testament. So here we are today, and we're living in the new covenant. And you might be asking, what have altars 
got to do with us in the new covenant? What have they got to do today? And it's a fair question. And I'm going to answer it. I'm going to answer that question because I asked that question. But it's a fair question. We still have altars today in our lives. Now, our altars are our hearts. It's that invisible place that we war between the flesh and the spirit. It's where God meets us and gives us instruction. It's the place that God reveals the best for our lives. In worship, we're worshiping the Lord and the Lord just shows us something. Or we're just praying and we're reading our Bible and the Lord just shows us something. That is our halter. It's the flesh that rages between the spirit and the flesh, the heart. When that happens, and where that happens, becomes something tangible for us. Maybe we want to memorialise it, something that we remember. We preserve the memory of what had taken place, somewhere we can go back to spiritually and physically. This was the place that the Lord revealed his will for my life. Now, to continue today's message, I want to look at the spiritual journey of Abraham, a father of not just the Jewish faith, but the Christian faith. But before I do, I want to use, the te- I want to use some scriptures in the New Testament that concerns Abraham's testimony. In James 2, 21 verse 3 says, Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened, just as the scriptures say. Abraham believed God and counted God, sorry, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. And he was even called the friend of God. He was even called the friend of God. Wow, it kind of blows my mind a little bit. God said, this is my friend. It's Abraham. Who wants to be called a friend of God? And you can respond, I want to be called a friend of God. I really, really do. How awesome would it be to be accounted as a friend of God? When I die, this is what I hope. I wish this would happen. I don't know if it's going to happen. I would just love my tombstone just to say, Eli's Kenny Wood, friend of God. Nothing else. There's nothing you could add to that. Can you imagine people walking past? Whew, there lies Kenny Wood, friend of God. Whoa! Yeah, friend of God. Whoa! Not born this day, died on that day. Just friend of God. Whoa! Friend of God. What else would it need to say? Nothing. How did Abraham get this title, friend of God? Hebrews 11, 8 and 10. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith, for he was a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with an eternal foundation, a city designed and built by God. So I guess if you want to be called a friend of God, you must obey God's call. 
we must live confidently by faith. So today we're going to be looking at Abraham's life because throughout his life, Abraham built some significant altars. In fact, he built four altars and we're going to look at all of them today. Each one of these altars marked the unforgettable peaks of Abraham's spiritual journey. He built some uh, amazing altars. I'm so excited about this because I remember it was like a long time ago that Trevor asked me to do this. And it was just so happened that I was reading through, you know, Genesis and I was right there with Abraham. So I, I started, you know, just, I camped out there for a little bit in tents. I camped in tents as well, just like Abraham. I camped there and I spent some time just looking at some of the Hebrew words and that. And I'm going to bring some of that stuff to you as well. So today we'll look at Abraham and at his life. Each one of his altars marked that unforgettable peak of Abraham's spiritual experience in his personal journey of faith. And as Christians, we are on a personal journey of faith as well. And as we look at some of the altars, we can see parallels in our lives and some of the experiences that Abraham went through are some of the experiences that we went through or we're going through or we're going to go through. Lessons, lessons that will help us navigate our own journey. Each of Abraham's altars is something that we're able to memorialize. Well, he was able to memorialize them. Each of them was to remember that something significantly changed in his relationship with God. So let's look at the four altars of Abraham. The first one comes pretty much after the Lord speaks to Abraham and paraphrasing, leave this place, leave your family. I want to bless you and make you into a nation. I want to make you famous. You will be a blessing to others. We pick up the story in Genesis chapter 12, verse 6 and 7. Abraham travelled through the land as far as Shechem. There he set up camp beside the hook of Morah. At that time, the area was inhabited by Canaanites. Then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, I will give you this land to your descendants, to you and your descendants. And Abraham built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared to him. Again, this is straight after the Lord told him that I am going to be with you. I am going to guide your path. I am going to bless you beyond measure. And I will give you this land to you and your descendants. Do you know what the word Shechem means? <laughs> Thank you. you... <laughs> it means shoulder. The Lord is telling Abraham, I am going to shoulder you. I'm going to shoulder you through this. It's my promise to you. I am going to carry you on my shoulder. I am going to be with you. For Abraham, this first altar represents the start of worship to the one who had appeared to him and said, I am going to carry you. I am going to shoulder you. The first altar became Abraham's thanksgiving, his response to the Lord, his response to the Lord's promise the beginning of a relationship with the true and living God. This is like you and me becoming Christians. You never forget that, right? I mean, you might forget the time and the date, but the moment you gave your life to the Lord, 
The moment the law came in your life, you're never going to forget that. Wow, it's something. It's something you will never forget. It's something that you memorialize. Oh, I remember that day as if it was yesterday. Well, I do anyway. I remember that day in my life. It was so impactful for me in my life that it changed forever, forever. He put my stamp in the book of life. Changed forever. The Lord made all the same promises to me as he made to Abraham. And if you don't know, or if you've forgotten, he makes all the same promises to you as well. Matthew 11, 28 and 30 says this. Then Jesus says, come to me, all of you are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. I remember that day. I remember Keith Gibbons, the man who led me to Christ. Because why? It's an altar that is fixed in my life. It's an altar carved into my heart. It's something that I will remember. I often go back to that moment and I thank the Lord Jesus. Thank you so much for the redemptive work that you did there. Thank you for my life. Thank you for my new life. You know that building's not there anymore where I became a Christian. And they actually pulled it down and they built an outreach community centre there. And uh, they built it there. But before they pulled it down, uh, they says to the congregation, hey, do you want to come on in and just remember what the Lord did there? Now, I wasn't living in, in, in England at the time. I was living in the States. But I got a message from a friend. And, uh, and I was living in the States. And he says, you know, Kenny, I was walking through the old church. And I came to this part of the church. And someone had written on the wall, Kenny Wood got saved here. How cool is that? That guy wasn't around. My friend wasn't around when I became a Christian. How, so he just, Kenny Wood got saved here. Don't worry, it wasn't graffiti. They're going to pull the building down. But wasn't just my altar, I guess, somebody else's as well. Me getting saved started this chain of events. Carved not just on my heart, but Keith's heart as well. Now, the second altar built, well, let's, let's just read Genesis 12, verse 8. After that, Abraham travelled south and set up camp in the hill country with Bethel on the west, Ai on the east. There he built another altar and dedicated it to the Lord. And he worshipped the Lord. You know, I'm really glad. I really am. I get excited that Abraham built an altar and started worshipping the Lord. But I, I don't know why. This verse makes me really, really sad. And I'll tell you why. And I'll tell you why this. I'll just give you the Hebrew meanings of Bethel and the Hebrew meaning of Ai. So the, the, the Hebrew meaning for Bethel means house of God. The Hebrew meaning for Ai means pile of rubbish, ruin. Every day... Abraham would get up, he'd come out of his tent, and he'd look, west, the house of God, east, a pile of rubbish. That's what it meant. I wish Abraham had built his altar a little bit closer to the house of God. But he didn't. 
just stayed in the middle ground. And sometimes it's like that. We as Christians, we become Christians, but it's really hard to fully jump in. Yeah, we want the house of the Lord, but we keep one foot close to the pile of rubbish to the world. Maybe it's because, just in case this Christian thing don't work out, I've got something to go back to. I've always got something to fall back on. Abraham started to worship the Lord, but he didn't seem to fully commit to the Lord, although he knew it was the right thing to do. Genesis 12, verse 9, Then Abraham continued travelling south by stages towards the Negev. Abraham didn't stay in that place of worship for long. Maybe he should have stayed there longer, but he didn't. He started wandering around and getting closer and closer to Negev. Do you know what Negev means? Negev means a desert place. This is where Abraham was heading, wandering around a desert place, and it got worse. Famine came along, and... And it kind of covered the whole land. And Abraham runs further away from the place of worship. And Abraham, he makes this devastating mistake or a devastating decision. And instead of trusting the Lord to sort out his problems, he went to the world to sort out his problems. Abraham went to Egypt where it appears that he just flat out lost his mind. You're thinking, how dare you talk about Abraham like that? Well, I'll tell you why. He makes up this crazy lie that Sarah is not his wife because he was scared that they might kill him and take her. So he just starts lying, flat out living a lie. Egypt was a disaster for Abraham's family, but he got caught in his lie and he got kicked out of Egypt. Get out of here. Egypt was a disaster for Abraham and his family. Yeah, he left with all these riches and and wealth, but he also left with something else that was devastating, not just to that point of his life, but for the rest of his life, actually forever. This is where Sarah acquired Agar. And maybe if Abraham hadn't moved from the place of worship, this Agar and Ishmael's story might have turned out differently. But that's for another time. So let's pick up the story. Genesis 13, 3 and 4. So Abraham left Egypt and travelled north into Negev along with his wife and Lot and all that they owned. Abraham was very rich in livestock, silver and gold. From Negev, they continued travelling by stages towards Bethel. And they pitched their tent between Bethel and Ai, where they had camped before. This was the same place where Abraham had built the altar, and there he worshipped the Lord again. Oh, oh, I love this. I love it. Abraham got back to the place where he'd left off with the Lord, and he started worshipping the Lord again. I love that. Sometimes in our lives, we think we know better than God and we go our own way and we do our own things and we move out of fellowship with the Lord and we allow all sorts of things to come into our lives, things that we would normally avoid. When you're in your right mind, I don't know, that'll just ruin my family. I don't want this, I don't want that. But when we're not trusting the Lord, we allow all this stuff to just come into our life. It has life changing effect 
on us. And then we wonder, how did I get here? How did I just get here right now? How did I allow myself to leave the fellowship, the communion with the Lord in the first place? If that is where you are right now, if you feel far away from God right now, you're not feeling close by, maybe you have been wandering around the desert for a long time trying to figure it all out by yourself. If you feel far away from the Lord right now and you're wondering, wondering, what happened? How did I get here? Know this and I say it in love. Jesus said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So guess who moved? Who moved? It wasn't Jesus, right? That's right, it's us. Jesus is right where we left him and he's waiting. I have a word of encouragement for you. Come back to the Lord. Come back to the altar to worship before God because he is waiting for you where, where you left off, right? Now listen, God had one more thing to do in Abraham's life before he could take him deeper. You see, there was this question of Lot. Trouble breaks out between Lot's herdsmen and Abraham's herdsmen, and it caused this split. Hey, we can't stay together anymore. We're locking heads. We need, a, we need to separate. And Abraham said to Lot, whichever way you choose, I will go the other way. So Lot looks out and sees Zor and sees that it was good, fertile land. But listen, the Hebrew word for Zor means just a little bit. Lot looked out and saw Zor. Looked out towards Zor and said, oh, it's beautiful. It's fertile land. Yeah, I'll take just a little bit of that. Thank you very much. Just a little bit of that. But listen, as a side note, Lot moved into very dangerous territory. The next time he is mentioned, he is living in the plains of Gomorrah and had been captured by the kings of the north and needed to be rescued by his, uh, by his uncle Abraham. And after that, we find him living in a corrupt city, acting as a self-professed judge, a city that the Lord would destroy. Just wondering if maybe we can take a lesson from Lot's choice. Maybe just a little bit of something that is pleasing to the eye might not be worth the fallout that follows. Abraham's third altar, we find in Genesis 13, 14 and 18. After Lot had gone, the Lord said to Abraham, look, as far as you can see, north and south, east and west, I am go- I, I'm giving all this land, as far as you can see, to you and your descendants as a permanent possession. I will, give you, I will give you so many descendants that like the dust of the earth, you cannot be count, they cannot be counted. Go and walk from the land in every direction for I am giving it to you. So Abraham moved his camp to Hebron and settled near the hawk belonging to Mamre. There he built an, another altar to the Lord. He must say, this is my favourite altar that Abraham built because this is where Abraham found peace. It is here that the relationship moved beyond worshipping God to becoming a friend of God. It is my belief that this is where the relationship started going deeper and deeper, a deeper level between God and Abraham. Now I say this because the origin of the Hebrew word for Hebron is 
fellowship, or another word is friendship. I believe this is where Abraham got, uh, well, this is, I think I believe this is where God started calling Abraham friend. This altar represents a depth of meaningfulness. It represents a whole new depth with the Lord. It represents friendship with a living God. I believe. It's my heart to believe. But let me just tell you about this. Another altar that's carved in my heart is this. And it represents a whole new depth in my relationship with the Lord. It was the first night of Bible college. And I'm sat in the chapel, uh, not knowing what to expect. I didn't really have many friends at that point because it was the first day. The speaker gave a very graphic picture of the crucifixion. And he said, and at the end of it he says, and you, you were there. And he pointed, and I, he might as well just pointed right at me. You, you were there. And then he goes, well, really, you weren't physically there. But your sin was there. Your sin was represented there that night, that day when Jesus got crucified. Your sin is what nailed Jesus to the cross. But, listen, he said, Jesus willingly did that for you. Jesus willingly gave his life for you. And that blew my mind, just like, are you kidding me? Jesus, and I knew that Jesus did it for me, but it's just that realisation just kind of hit me there and then. He went, whoa. I'm not sure if this song was physically playing or not, but I heard it loud and clear. The song that goes, he knows my name. He knows my every thought. He sees each tear that falls and he hears me when I call. You know, he saw a lot of tears that night. But the altar of peace, the moralization of going further and deeper in my relationship with the Lord is what was carved in my heart that night. The last altar of Abraham is found in Genesis chapter 22, verse 1 and 2. Sometimes later, well, sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called, yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah, go sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains which I will show you. Jump in to Genesis 22, uh, verse 9 and 10. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. I will never forget the first time I read this. I was literally ready to throw my Bible straight out of the window. Are you kidding me? I remember shouting, are you kidding me? This is it? You promise a guy a son and then you're going to sacrifice him? Didn't even get to the next part. This is not what I want. I'm surprised I read the Bible again. I'm glad I did, but I was like, I'm never reading this again. How can you? This is God's promised son. God promised Isaac this son and now you're going to let him kill him? 
Come on. <coughs> the altar where Abraham's faith was tested, this is the most important altar for Abraham. The most important one. The altar here is where Abraham's faith was tested to the max. <coughs> Excuse me. I've got to stop getting excited. I've just got over COVID like a few weeks ago. And that's so... This is it. It's tested. You're going you're gonna to have to sacrifice your son. You're going to have to kill him and then you'll have to burn him if killing him's not enough. But guess what? Abraham passed the test, which is really awesome. There was no screams at God. There was no argument. Just obedience. Okay, God. I'll do it. This, I, the last altar was the highest worship Abraham could give to God. It's on this altar that he laid his own son, Isaac, ready to be slaughtered and sacrificed as a burnt offering. On this altar, not only Isaac, but also lies Abraham's faith. <coughs> Which believed that God would definitely provide. And because Abraham believed that God had it covered, he dared to believe, yes, I can give my son as a sacrifice. The one thing that he loved more than anything else, the son that the Lord had promised him. He said that the Lord did not want Isaac, but he wanted the heart of Abraham. It wasn't Isaac that was on the altar. It was Abraham who was truly on the altar that day. This ultimate trial marks the pinnacle of Abraham's faith. And the last year, let me tell you a little bit about myself, the last year for me and my family has been pretty crazy. It's been really crazy, to say the least. <clears throat> and without going into detail, I want to say that I found myself in a similar place where I've had to lay my loved ones on the altar and just give them to God. Hey, Lord, here you, here you are. I submit to you, Lord, here you go. I've done all I can. I can't do any more. I'm not sure why this is happening. I'm not sure what you're doing, but Lord, I trust you and I give them to you and I believe that you will provide that is one of the hardest things that I've had to do as a Christian. And guess what? Some of you guys have been up your Mount Moriah as well. And you've said similar words to God. I know that there's people in this room right now that are going through that same, same experience. Lord, I have no idea what you are doing but I, I, I give you my family, I give you my loved ones and I trust you, Lord, because you know, I love you and I know you're going to provide. Did you know that it's common belief that Mount Moriah is actually Golgotha? Let me give you the, the better known word, Calvary. Could it be, could it be that this same mountain that Abraham offered his son Isaac is the same place that God the Father offered his only begotten son Jesus. 
On the way to Moriah, Isaac said, Dad, we have the fire, we have the wood, but where is the lamb to sacrifice? And Abraham rightly said, God will provide himself a lamb. And he did provide himself a lamb. His only begotten son, Jesus. And he didn't spare him, but he delivered him up for all of us, for us. I have to finish here, but listen, I want to give you an opportunity to respond this morning, wherever you are on your journey. And listen, this journey, this journey here, we're all on. This message may have something for all of us. It's not just to individuals, it's to all of us. And you might be anywhere on this journey. You might be, so what I'm going to do, I'm going to respond and it's going to be different, okay? So I'm going to give out a response. If that's you, then I'm going to ask you to move forward. Then I'm going to talk to somebody else and ask them to move forward. And we're just going to go on to, we've done all four responses. So it's a bit different, but I think it's going to work out for us. You could be at the beginning right now and the Lord is calling you out by name. Come to me. I want to share my promise with you, which is come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Listen. What am I saying? Jesus is inviting you to a relationship with him today. Come. My yoke is easy. He's inviting you to salvation. If you don't know Jesus right now and you want to know Jesus right now, why wouldn't you? He just gave you that awesome promise. Don't waste this moment. Please do not waste this moment. If that is you, do not leave this place without responding to the Lord. We have pastors. We have a prayer team that want to pray with you. If that is you, if you want Jesus in your life right now, if you want to join the, the journey of salvation, then come forward. Just come forward. You can if you want. Just come forward to the front. We want to minister to you. And if people want to come forward and while we're waiting for people to respond, let me talk to the rest of you. I want to talk to those who have pitched their tent between the house of the Lord and AI, a pile of rubbish. Or you've left the altar of worship and you're wandering around the desert aimlessly. Today, you can come back to the Lord. You can come back to the altar of worship because God is waiting for you where you left off. Please, please just come back to him. You don't need to figure it out in your own strength. You don't need to figure it out. Let God figure it out for you. If that is you, do not leave this place. Do not leave this place without responding to the Lord. If that's you, make your way forward to the front right now. Someone will come and be with you. 
while we're waiting for people to respond if they want to respond, let me talk to the rest of you. You might be at that place where you feel the Lord wants to take you deeper. Well, guess what? That's God's plan as well. He wants to go deeper with you. I guess this is for all of us, really. I feel like I should be standing there as well because I want to go deeper with the Lord. If that's you, please just come back. If that's you and you want to respond today, you want to go deeper with the Lord, then just come on forward. Someone will stand with you. And while we're waiting for people to respond, if they want to respond, let me talk to the rest of you. You might be at the place where you feel the Lord has got you at the altar. You're right there. You've just having a hard time right now. You're going through some crazy stuff. You might be experiencing your own Mariah this morning. You're battling it out with God, wondering what is going on. What is going on? What I don't understand. Let me share an encouragement from the Apostle Paul. Romans 12.1 And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be living and holy sacrifice. The kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship. If you are willing to put everything to one side this morning on the altar, to let it all go, to choose the Lord before anything else, before anything else, to put everything else and everyone in your life on the altar, then God wants your heart and He will meet you right there exactly where He met Abraham. This is what He said to Abraham. I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. That's what He said. Abraham's obedience. You know what? You will never, ever outgive God. You will never, ever outgive God. You'll never outgive God. You can't give Him anything that He won't give you more of. You'll never outgive God. Maybe you are at the altar this morning and you need to say, Lord, this is it. I let go of everything and everyone and I give it to You. Lord, I love You. I trust You. And I know You will provide because He will provide. The Lord is here to bless you this morning. Come forward and let us stand with you. Please don't leave this place. If that's you, please do not leave this place without responding to the Lord this morning. If that's you, make your way to the front right now. Someone will come beside you and they will lift or they will lift your hands up. They will be with you. There's something there for all of us, for all of us. And you might not want to come forward. That's okay. Because here's the thing. All you have to say, Lord, today is the day I want to respond to you and I want to make a halter in my life. I want to memorialize this day. This is the day that you did this. This is the day that you did this in my life. Father God, I thank you so much for your love and your mercy. I thank you so much for who you are. Lord, if there's people that need to come forward, Lord, 
to respond to your word, I just pray that you would just give them boldness to stand up, Lord, and just to move forward and allow us to, to stand with them and minister to them, Lord, to point them to you. Thank you so much for your love and your mercy. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your people. In your precious name, amen. So listen, well, we had some words of prayer this morning. And I want to share with them because one of them in particular just got my attention. It says, don't stop wrestling with God. Press in and work it out. Hey guys, if you're wrestling right now with God, press in and work it out. That message is for maybe one person, but it might be for all of us. The next one is this. Someone has a pain in the, in, in the palm of the right hand. <clears throat> and the last one is, left eye pain and um, blindness so if any of those meet you just tell someone just let someone minister to you and as we worship and you still want to come forward we can do okay God bless you guys thanks for listening to respond or receive prayer after the live stream closes, please email prayer at vineyardboise.org. And if possible, include your phone number. We'd love to get in touch with you. Thanks.